Uh, I know we're kind of getting set up over here, but man, if we have not had a chance to meet, my name is Isaac, and I'm part of the team here at the table, and we are so glad you're here. Can we give it up for Roberto and Christy in the band? One, oh my gosh, that was, my, my, my heart is just so incredibly full right now. It's just so amazing, the, their leadership, just getting to sing with them. But hey, if you've been hanging out with us this fall, uh, you know that we're in a series called Nine Items or Less, right? And in this series, we've been looking at the characteristics of Jesus, right? So metaphorically, we have this, uh, this grocery cart over here, right? And in this grocery cart, we know that sometimes when we go to the grocery store, at times, you know, we're still trying to figure out life and health and nutrition and things like that. Uh, so we may put things that are maybe a tad unhealthy. Um, but we also know that, man, that's really not good for us. And in the same way in our Christian life, right, there are times that we put unhealthy things in our car. But Jesus wants so much more for us. And he gives us an example of how we can put healthy things into our cart. These nine items for us to put in our cart. So the verse that we've been looking at is in Galatians, Galatians chapter, uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 23 and 23, where it says this, But if the fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, right? So every week we've been looking at one of these uh, fruit, one of these characteristics of what it means to become more like Jesus. Um, so as we heard, if you were here earlier in the fall, we said that love is the super fruit, right? This is this, this huge fruit that all these other fruit, all these other characteristics that come after love, these are all under the, the, the umbrella of love, love being the super fruit. So today we are looking right at the beginning of verse 23, uh, where it makes a turn to gentleness. So we're, today we're talking about gentleness. So when I think of gentleness, um, I think of my extended family, um, but maybe not for the reason that you may think. Uh, so for me, um, so some of you know this and some of you don't, um, so I'm half Mexican. I have a huge Mexican family. Like my dad was one of 11, Right? He has five, five brothers and five sisters, six boys total, five girls. I have 30 first cousins just on one side. 30. 30 first cousins just on one side. Right? And I have a lot of aunts and uncles and cousins, and I'm one on the younger side. So my cousins have kids. So for like Christmas parties and Thanksgiving uh, meals, there are like over 100 people all gathered together in one place for this ginormous family party um, that we call them. And if you've ever been to this massive house party, especially with huge Mexican families, uh, you know the only way to be heard is to interrupt people. It's true. Nobody's going to wait for you to talk. Look, if you want to be heard, you have to cut people off and interrupt people to, to get your point across. And I experience this all the time, right? So I live here in Orlando. So when I go back now, uh, you know, some of my aunts and uncles, well-meaning, um, they say, hey, they call me Isak, my name in Spanish, so just bear with me. Um, hey, Isak, how, how's Orlando? And I'm like, oh, yeah, Orlando's, oh, yeah, so you, so you go to Disney, right? Because Orlando equals Disney for some reason. Um, so I'm like, yeah, I go to, oh, cool, cool. So, so work's going well? Like, yeah, it works. Good. Oh, so like relationships, like, yeah. So like all the, you guys know the question. So I try to like to answer stuff and just keep getting interrupted and keep getting interrupted. And while all this is happening, um, I have a cousin over here who's telling like some like poopy diaper story for their kid. And then like another cousin over here, like cutting them off. It's just a constant state of interrupting to be heard. Okay, I said I was half Mexican. My other half, 
It's Puerto Rican, right? <laughs> yeah. Does it get any better? Oh, no. Oh, no. So my Puerto Rican side is my small family. Um, my mom was one of six. So there's only like 40 people um, in that house party. And um, even though it's smaller in quantity, they make up for in quality. And by quality, I mean volume, right? <laughs> So you know this, if you're Puerto Rican, you know this, like, oh, Boricua, like this, like at my parties, I just, like, all oh, the only thing that I hear is like, we're Puerto Rican, ah, that's like, <laughs> that's the only thing that I hear, and this is interrupting and interrupting and interrupting, and this is what I grew up in. So you can imagine as somebody that grows up in extended families where you have to interrupt to be heard, one might think that one is then trained to then do that outside of family parties, and this is my life. Right? So then I'm hanging out like outside of my family parties, and I noticed that I started cutting people off to be heard. And I don't know if you realize this, people don't like that. <laughs> and I, I learned it very quickly that people don't like to be interrupted to be heard. So I stopped, I, it took me a while, and I'm still not perfect, but I've gotten significantly better at not interrupting people uh, when they talk. However, what I noticed is that I still interrupt people. I just don't tell them. Because what I do is, as people are talking, I'll interrupt them in my mind. I'll let them finish their sentence, and then I'll talk, right? So um, as here, um, as you know, if you've been hanging out with us, we say, like, one-on-one -on -one is how it's done. So the way that I tend to interrupt people, just being honest, um, is here at this coffee shop table. Maybe you've seen this table because it's taken directly from the cafe that you walk past. Um, so here's one chair here, one chair here. This is a one-on-one -on -one setup. So let's say I'm meeting, and perhaps I've met with you or will meet with you in the future, and uh, you're definitely going to hold me accountable now because there's a whole sermon about this. So let's say this is the um, talking about your life chair, right? So you're talking, here, here's what's going on, here's some job stuff, here's relationship stuff, here's a major decision I have to make. So people talking about their life here. This is the um, listening to somebody talk about their life chair, right? And this is where you're listening to somebody talk about their life. And what happens is when you're in this chair, you think you're right. And at the way that you interrupt and the way that I interrupt is as soon as I hear something wrong that they say, I think that I'm right. I interrupt in my mind. I stop listening. I stop hearing. I stop understanding. And I wait for my moment to tell them that they're wrong because I'm right. And all of us have experienced this because all of us have been in this chair right? And how much do you like unwanted advice? Anybody? No, we all hate unwanted advice, but here we are, our, our friends well-meaning, our family well-meaning, as we talk about our life, then we get, we didn't know they, interrupt, they interrupted us in their mind, but they stopped, and that's when the unwanted advice comes, and we hate it. So we've all been in this chair, but look, friends, we've also all been in this chair, have we not? So we're hearing our friend talk, hearing our family member talk, and then it, they said something wrong, and we know that we're right, and we're just waiting for them to finish so we can tell them how they're wrong. But here's the secret. A lot of times, you are right. Honestly, most of the time, you're right, and you know it. And they say something that's just like, oh my, it, that's so unhealthy, that's not a healthy way to process. Um, you, should, you really shouldn't do that. You really should do something different. And you're right. But how does it come across? Oftentimes, not well. Why? So that's what we're going to talk about. Here's, so here's the question that we're looking at today is, what do we do when we know we're right? 
What do we do when we know we're right? What do we do when you're sitting in the listening to somebody talking about their life chair? You know you're right. You know they're wrong. What do we do? So that's, that's what we're looking at today. And a super helpful way to think through it is thinking through somebody who often was with somebody who was always right. So the person sitting here that we're going to look at is this guy named James. And as you know, maybe you know this, James was the brother of this person over here who was 100% always right because his name was Jesus. James was the brother of Jesus. So James grew up with Jesus. James saw how Jesus interacted in every, every single situation, right? And Jesus, as we know, was always right. So I think James has some wisdom in thinking through how, was, how did Jesus respond when he was always right? How did he respond to others? So as we read, um, so James wrote a letter called, named after his name, James. Um, so this is what he says um, to help us answer the question, what do we do when we know we're right? So he starts this in James chapter 1, uh, verse 19 through 21. So if you have your Bibles, if you have your apps, it'll be on the screen there. We're going to be in James chapter 1, verses 19 through 21, where he, he starts with this. He says, know this. Know this. He says, look, listen up, listen up. This is super important, friends. This is really important. This is what James is saying. Not me. I'm just, I'm just quoting James here. All right. So he, James said, hey, look, listen, this is very important. Listen so closely to what I'm about to say next, is what James is saying. And he continues, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear. Right? Because we all, we all want to be heard. We all want to be understood. Right? So we want that for ourselves. We want people to hear us. But this is what James is saying. He's like, look, understandably, you want to be heard. You want to be understood. But look, so do other people. That everyone that you talk to also wants that. So the best way to practice that is be quick to hear, which is a bit strange if you think about it, because whenever we think of hearing, when we think of listening, we think that as a passive thing. So he's saying, hey, hurry up and be like, how does that, how does that make sense? He's being quick to hear. What does that mean? What, what he means by that, he's saying, be um, quickly before you do anything else, just hear. Listen. Before you open your mouth, the first thing that you should do is hear, right? Because that's exactly what we want other people to do to us when we want to be heard and we want to be understood, is we want people to listen and to hear us. That's what James is saying here. So then he continues where he says, and slow to speak. So what he means by that is be late to speak, right? So be quick and hurry up to listen and then slow down and be late to speak, right? But the quicker I am to hear and the slower I am to speak, the more I learn and understand. So the best thing to do as we're sitting here, right, and somebody's sharing their life with us, and we're grabbing coffee in a one-on-one, -on -one, hanging out, and they're sharing their life, James is saying, be quick to listen and be slow to speak. And the best way to do that, just practically, is by asking questions. Whenever we feel like we're right and we know that they're wrong, the best thing to do is not shove it down their throat in the moment and to tell them that they're wrong. The best thing to do is seek to understand and ask questions and be curious. And after you ask one question, ask another question. 
And after you ask a second question, ask a third question. Seek to understand. Don't be quick to speak. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. Right? And the worst moments happen in your life, and you know this, the worst moments happen in your life when you flip it. Right? Whenever you're quick to speak and you're slow to listen. When you interrupt people with your mind and you don't allow them to actually try to find a place of understanding, right? And some of the worst regrets that we have, some of the things that we feel the worst about is not necessarily an action that we did. Some of the things that we feel the most regret about is something that we said. Why? Because we were quick to speak and slow to listen. And James is trying to spare us a lot of regret. He's trying to spare us a lot of hurt feelings. He's trying to save some of our relationships by saying, be quick to hear and slow to speak. Right? So some, some examples, right, that you, maybe you're sitting here um, at the one-on-one table, you're grabbing coffee, and somebody's sitting here and they're sharing about their life, and they may say something like, man, I just feel so distant from God. Right? And then somebody over here, not seeking to understand, would say what? Well, you know who moved? It wasn't God. <laughs> right? Now, how does this person feel? <laughs> not good. Right? Or, or maybe, you're, maybe you're thinking, man, this is, um, man, this is just some, like a, a work decision that I'm struggling with. My boss, you know, um, it's just, I'm just having a really hard time at work. And then the person over here says, well, you know what? You just need to be subject to your authority. You just need to do what they say, right? You're in the wrong here. Oof. Right? We, we've, all, we've all experienced this. Um, we have. Maybe it's, um, man, I just... Um, I just feel so lonely, right? I think, I think a relationship may fix it if I had a boyfriend, if I have a girlfriend. Just really being vulnerable, really opening up. But then the person over here, right? Like, uh-uh, that's not going to fix it. You need to, like, join a life group. Like, I don't want to hear anything else until you go to group lunch. No, no seeking to understand. And then multi- example after example after example as we sit here, or the person is sitting here, and we're sitting across from them, and they're being so vulnerable and so open, and we, are, we interrupt them with our minds, and we're not seeking to understand, and we're not seeking to actually hear, and we just want to tell them how they're wrong and we're right. And James is trying to spare us from that um, and try to help us in those relationships. So if we can understand those two ideas, right, being quick to hear, being slow to speak, if we could understand that, man, if we're just quick to hear, we're slow to speak. If we can just ask questions, really seek to understand by asking questions, then the next part will come really easily, or will come easier. So what's the next part? He says, slow to anger. Be slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Right? He's being slow to anger. So anger here is both a result and a decision. Because if we're slow to speak... And if we're quick to listen, we ha- there's likely way less chance that we will be angry. But even in those moments when we do get angry, we can help control that a little bit by, again, being quick to hear and slow to speak. So this anger that we experience is both a result and a decision. And for some of us, we know that when it comes to anger, we have a really short fuse. We're just, it's just like a volcano, and it does not take much for us to blow up. For some of us, it's the opposite. When we get angry, we, right? And then somebody asks us, hey, like, are, are you angry? I'm like, no. No. And just kind of, and like, you, you are angry, and you, like, you want them to know that you're angry, but you don't want to admit that you're angry because we're just so passive and passive-aggressive that we're like, no, everything's fine. It's cool. 
Um, let me tell you about me, though. Me, I'm so unaware, just being vulnerable, I am so unaware when I'm angry. I'm, I'm being serious. It takes me at least two or three hours to recognize that I'm angry. And I, and I just feel like I think something's going on that's not good, and I have no idea what it is. And then three hours later, I was like, oh, yeah, I think I was angry. Like, it, takes, it really does take me a while to figure that out. Right? So James says, man, if we're just quick to hear, slow to speak, right? Then, um, then, it, then that makes us slow to anger, right? And then he says this in verse 21, where he says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. So this is the idea of just like taking off dirty clothes. Hey, look, this anger that you're experiencing because you're speaking too quickly and you're not listening, you're not hearing people, you're not understanding people, you're interrupting people in your mind, or you're just straight up interrupting people and cutting them off. Look, take it off. It's like, it's like a dirty shirt, like a dirty coat. Just take it off. Don't put it on anymore, right? And then he says this in verse 20, the continuing, where he says, And receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So this word meekness, right, is the word in, in the Greek, it's praus, right? Which is the root word of gentleness, right? It's the root word of gentleness, right? And then, so gentleness and meekness is basically the same thing. So then uh, the, the definition, a very helpful definition for, for meekness is this, controlled strength. When we think of meekness, we need to think of controlled strength, right? So I think unintentionally sometimes we confuse meekness with weakness. Meekness and weakness is not the same thing. See, because uh, being meek and being gentle, this is not a passive thing. Being meek and being gentle is not a pushover thing. This is not a just letting people run all over us. This is not a just laying down, just letting things be, and, oh, I need to be, I need to be meek, so I'm just not going to say anything ever and just let people walk. This is not that. What is meekness? Meekness is controlled strength. Um, have you ever got any, uh, like, Avengers fans in the room? A few, few of us. So we all know that scene in The Avengers uh, 2012, that famous scene when they're in New York and the Bruce Banner comes in riding on a motorcycle. And he's there, and he's there as the doctor, Bruce Banner, in his human form, uh, right? And then on a dime, he has learned to control his strength. And that is one of the coolest moments in that film is whenever— uh, finally, he's able to control his strength, so he just, he's like, I'm always angry. And then, like, turns into the Hulk and, like, punches the Leviathan, right? I just nerded out for a second. So that's, that's this idea of the strength that we have. Because, look, if you're in Christ, that means you have the Holy Spirit in you. And if you have the Holy Spirit in you, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave is the same power that lives in you. So for all of us Christians, we are not weak. We are strong, but what Jesus is calling us to do, what James is advising us, is that with the strength, right, having the weapon in Scripture, the Bible, as a weapon to wield against the, against the forces of darkness and to bring healing and restoration to this world, to fight, he's saying, look, wield that with meekness. Don't abuse people with the Bible. Don't abuse people with Scripture. But there are some of us, right, and we don't like these people who do not uh, use meekness when it comes to Scripture, right? Because James says, look, with meekness, receive, the in receive with meekness the implanted word. He's saying, look, when it comes to Scripture, when it comes to the Bible, when it comes to the Christian faith, be meek. But the people that we don't like that abuse the Bible, that use it to harm people and to hurt people, or what we like to call judgy Christians. 
Have you ever met a judgy Christian? Right? You know a judgy Christian because you've sat with them before. <laughs> and whenever you interact with a judgy Christian, what do they do? They are the worst offenders, right, at just waiting for you to be wrong and telling you how they're right and you're wrong and here's what you should do and here's what you need to do and you need to stop that, don't that, do this. And we know a judgy Christian because they're not trying to help you become healthy. They're just trying to point out how you're wrong. Healthy Christians want to see you become healthy. Judgy Christians just want to tell you how you're wrong. And they get some sort of like self-validation whenever they can tell you what you did wrong. And even if you did, they were able to get you to change your behavior, their validation not, comes not from you following Jesus. Their validation comes from how, what they did to you and how they feel right about it and how they get some sort of pleasure out of setting you straight and telling you, giving you a piece of their mind and making you uh, become whatever they wanted you to do. We hate that, right? Because that's so not good. That's the opposite of what James is saying, right? So um, I remember um, I, I was at a, a previous, previous ministry before I moved here, and we had a, a similar gathering-ish. On a, it was on uh, Sunday evenings, um, kind of a young adult gathering. And uh, we had um, one of the, the girls there that served on the um, kind of the guest experience team and helping receive people on one, one of the leaders. Um, she was there saying hi uh, to a new girl. Right? And then after the service, they, they were talking, and um, this new girl, it was her, her very first time um, there at, at our young adult gathering, and she starts talking about how she's in this relationship, but um, it's not going the best, and it's just she's like the, the new girl saying, Man, I, don't, I don't know about this, yeah, I don't know if this is good for me. So the girl who's in leadership position wails on her and says, you need to break up with them. You need to break up with them. Why have you need to break up with them? You need to break up with them. You need to break up with them. Have you broken up with them yet? What do you, what's your plan to break up with them? Hey, uh, I'm going to call you later to make sure that you broke up with them. No, no, don't, no, that's, that's the, that's a judgy Christian. That's a, hey, I'm right and you're wrong. This is a, let me show you how you're wrong. And this is a, you need to correct your behavior. This is what you should do, right? No, that's the opposite of what we're wanting to do. Here's the big idea. Love is speaking the truth gently. Love is speaking the truth gently. Do you know what love sounds like? Do you guys know what love sounds like? Gentleness is the tone of love. Gentleness is what love sounds like. As we speak with people, as we speak with truth, right? As we love people, we want to love people gently, right? Gentleness is the tone of love. Man, so what would it have looked like, right? Going back to the previous scenario of the previous young adult ministry, um, what would it have looked like if said leader girl um, was gentle with first-time guest? What could that have looked like? Because you know what? Leader girl? She was probably right. It sounded like an unhealthy relationship. There probably should be some breaking up going on. But man, what does gentleness look like in those situations? What does it look like not interrupting with your mind? What does it look like leading with gentleness, loving, trying to seek and understand, being slow, being quick to hear and slow to speak? What does that look like in those situations? So if you've ever spoken truth, and somebody responded with, you're not loving. Have you ever been there? Where you try to speak truth to somebody and they say, you're not being very loving right now. It's possible what they meant to say is you're not being gentle. 
right? As we speak, we want to speak with gentleness. The big idea, one more time, is love is speaking the truth gently. So here's our question. How can we be gentle? What does it look like to be gentle? How can we cultivate gentleness in our lives? That's what we're going to look at. So here's um, a, a, a axiom, one of our sticky sayings that we say a lot around here is this. You can say more louder later. You can say more louder later. What does that mean? That means in the moment when you're here at the, the one-on-one table and uh, someone's here and they're sharing about their life and they say, oh my gosh, I'm so, I'm so stressed right now. I have the, the school assignment coming up. I've done no homework. I have a test tomorrow. Man, I'm so stressed. I don't know how I'm going to do it. Over here, you can say more louder later. In that moment, do you berate the person who is stressed currently to try to tell them how they were in the wrong and what they should have done two weeks ago? No. You can say more louder later, right? Don't feel the need to say all everything that you need to say because you know you're right. Don't feel the need to say it all in that moment, right? If you don't know how to say it gently, don't say it. If you don't know, maybe it's a very complex family situation, right, with like parents involved or siblings are involved. Maybe it involves housing. Maybe it involves uh, rent. Maybe it involves just things are just very complex. Don't feel the need to say everything right there in that moment if you don't know how to say it in wisdom and in gentleness. You can wait until later. You can say more louder later right? Especially if it's an ongoing series of conversations. So we're going to look at this. This is a helpful um, uh, gentleness chart um, that we have that's going to help us think through how can we say more louder later? How can we be gentle? So uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5.14, uh, and you can, you can read it there. It's referenced there on the screen, but he basically gives three categories of people for us to be gentle to. So for the remainder of our time, we're just going to think through um, this helpful chart and kind of think through how does Paul recommend that we love gently, right? How does Paul say? So um, you, you see these columns up here. So we have first century. So that's the term that Paul used in the first century. Um, and then we have 2019 Orlando. This is like maybe how we may use that word today in 2019. Um, then we have, this is how not gently to say it. And then we have, this is how to say it with gentleness, right, gently. So the first one we have, Paul says, is that somebody who's idle. Uh, so we would say somebody who's lazy, right? And we all know this person. We know the lazy. Don't elbow them if you're sitting next to them. We know this person. This is the person that, sh- that you feel, that you think when you're sitting, because you think you're right and you think they're wrong. And as they talk about their life, um, you just think they're just being so lazy, so idle, so passive, having no career plan, just kind of floating through life, not having any sort of direction or guidance, and you, you just feel like you're just so much in the right, you need to tell them how their overall life planning is wrong, and you want to tell them and just kind of berate them and kind of, hey, can I, can I coach you? Can I give you some life coaching? Can I help you, like, fill out job applications, right? And you just, you just feel the need just to give all the, the rightness that you have and just shove it in their face. But what, is, what does Paul say? And um, he says to admonish, right? So in, the, in this, as we're sitting here, we may feel the need to say, get up, get up, stop being lazy, get up, get up, come on, get up, what are you doing? Let's go, let's go, let's go, come on, get up early, apply for jobs, come on, let's go. And what does Paul say? Paul says to admonish, which means to caution, 
to warn, to raise awareness. So as we're sitting with people that are idle, right? As we see them, we see some idleness in their life, we see some laziness in their life, and we, everything in us wants to tell them just to get up and stop being lazy, right? What does Paul say? Paul says the most gentle thing that you can do is speak the truth in love, speak the truth with gentleness, and just bring up, hey, hey man, as you, I know we, we've been meeting a lot, um, this is pro- and you've complaining, been complaining about not having a job, you've been complaining about not having life direction, you've been complaining about a lot of things, and man, I, I love you. Um, is, it, is it possible that um, perhaps um, there may be some action that may be helpful for you? Hey, I love you. I don't want to tell you this is what you should do. I, this is something that I've noticed. I just want to raise some awareness that I've noticed this consistency of behavior in your life. But man, how can I pray, how can I pray with you? How can I help you? What do you need? Right? So much of a different response than yelling at somebody who's lazy and just telling them to get up. So Paul continues where he says, in the first century, he uses the word faint-hearted. And in 2019, uh, we would say the word immature. We know these people, right? The immature people, right? That just seem to be making bad decision after 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 bad decision. And as you're meeting one-on-one uh, with these immature people, they're talking about their life and their, their latest bad decision. That's the same thing that they've been doing for, for months and perhaps even for years. And you just like sense all of this immaturity in their life, right? And everything in the world makes you want to say, grow up. Come on, grow up, people. Let's, like, oh my, stop being a child. Come on, a seven-year-old would not make decisions like that. Grow up. Can you just like, please just put, put some adult pants on, please? But what does Paul say to do? He says to encourage. When everything in us wants to speak with truth and not gentleness by yelling at them and berating them and telling them to grow up, Paul says to encourage, to encourage them right? To walk with them, right? So to raise awareness, to realize that there are some unhealthy behaviors in their life. After a series of meetings, you can say more louder later. In that first meeting of immaturity, don't feel the need to tell them they're immature. That may not be helpful. But after consistency of meetings, after a lot of meeting with them, seeking to understand, asking questions, uh, perhaps the reason they're immature is there are just very unhealthy family dynamics going on that they grew up in. So you think that your two words of grow up is going to combat, I don't know, 22 years of unhealthy family? (laughs) Nope. (laughs) It takes time, guys. It takes time. You can say more louder later. And by continually meeting with people builds trust. It helps you understand actually where they're coming from to be able to encourage in the right way. So instead of um, yelling grow up at our immature friends, we can help encourage them. Last week, or in 2019, we would say, I'm somebody that's hurting, right? And you know the hurting person because they just look beat down. Whether it be through um, just this week and they feel really weak in that situation, whether they're sick, sick emotionally, sick physically, whether they're just hurting, um, they're broken, they're, they're burdensome, they're downtrodden, um, they just feel like, oh my gosh, this person, they are, like, they are crawling right now. And I know that's a lot of us in this room right now. A lot of us right now, man, we feel weak. We feel burdened. We feel downtrodden. We feel like, I don't know how I'm going to make it. Oh my gosh. So as somebody who's here, Who's, who's just admitting, man, I feel weak right now. I just, man, I don't, know, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do in the situation. I don't have the strength. I don't have the power. 
And I, I just don't know. All right? Sometimes over here, we may feel tempted to say, hey, don't give up. You got this. Keep going. Don't give up. You got it. Cool. All right. See you again next week. And what they really need is help. As we yell at our friends who are weak from across the room and tell them, um, man, and we just like see them hurting, we see them broken, we see them downtrodden, and we're just like, hey, don't give up. All right. Yeah, cool. Yeah, see you next Tuesday. Man, what they really need is for us just to get up, <laughs> come over here, just actually walk with them and help them and pick them up when they can't pick themselves up. All right. But I think sometimes we may confuse because we may um, try to like um, in- encourage the idle person. And Paul says they don't necessarily need encouragement. They need admonishment. Right. Or, or we, we may be tempted to try to like, um, in a sense, just like in- encourage the weak person. And Paul says, man, they really, they really need help. So as we continually seek to understand with gentleness, we can provide the appropriate response to people that are, that are just opening up about their lives, right? And we can, we can respond uh, in truth gently. And Paul wraps up that verse by saying, be patient with all. We want to be patient with all. All right, so as we're leading with gentleness, as gentleness is the sound of love, if you want to know what love sounds like, it's being gentle, right? We want to be patient with everybody. Why? Because you can say more louder later. We, can, we need to be patient. We don't, need to, we don't need to feel the need to fix it. As we're meeting one-on-one with people, we don't need to fix them in that moment. We don't need to pretend like I'm the savior for all of your problems. I have so much wisdom and life experience. Here you go. Let me just dump it all on you right now. Paul says be patient. Why? Because gentleness is a process for a lot of people. Love is a process for a lot of people. As we grow to be more like Jesus, as we put more of these night items or less into our shopping cart, we need to be patient with people as they grow to be more like Christ and walk with them, right? And we can, we can admonish people, we can encourage people, and we can help people. Um, my, my suspicion, though, is that as we've said all this, is that for some of us, later never comes. You can say more louder later, but we don't say anything. And then we're like, oh, okay, what if I, and you hide behind, I can say more louder later. Like, I don't, I don't know what to say, so I'm just not going to say anything, right? Or uh, we may think, uh, man, I really, I really don't know what to say. Um, it seems like I can talk about that later. You know, I, can, I don't have to worry about that right now. I'm sure they can figure it out. I'm just going to, you know, we just want to go, like, play Xbox. I just don't want to talk about it. Or we just want to go um, on, um, I don't know, what do girls do? I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe play Xbox too. Hey, I don't want to. So for some of us, look, if you've, if you've been sitting with somebody for a while, right, if you've been sitting for somebody for a while and you've repeatedly met one-on-one with them and you know their story and you understand, you know where they're coming from, right, and you have been quick to hear and you've been slow to speak and you've been praying about it and this has been a season of the circumstance that, that they're in and walking with them in it and it's been a season and you have the word in you and you have gentleness in you, friends, speak the truth. Don't be afraid. Speak the truth with courage. Speak the truth with boldness. And if you, if, you've, if you plan on saying more louder later, all right, and you've said that for a while, and it's been some days and weeks and months, and you keep, I need to say more louder later, more louder later, more louder later, eventually, friends, speak. 
because gentleness will come out of you if you've been waiting that long and you've been patient. And I'm so confident that if you're in Christ, that the Holy Spirit is in you and he will give you wisdom. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Be bold. Be courageous. Speak the truth. Bring correction when truth needs to be spoken. But do so with gentleness. Speak the truth gently. Um, I think for some of us too, I do want to be sensitive because I think that the reason that some of us are not gentle is because we don't think that God is gentle with us. We think that God's mad at us. We think that God's angry at us, right? We think that we've messed up. Um, a lot of times, maybe even today, you were, you were scared to come to the table because you thought God was angry with you. And you thought, maybe if I come to the table, I can at least peace, appease this God so he won't be mad at me anymore. Guys, God is not mad at you. God loves you. In the same way that we are to be patient with others, the reason we get that is because God is patient with us. And God is gentle with us. Jesus himself said this, where he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And a lot of us, we are so weary. We're the person that's burdened. We're the person that's weak. And Jesus is saying, look, I am gentle. I am gentle. So find rest for your souls in me. That's my prayer for us tonight is that you're here and you feel weak or you feel idle or you feel, um, you feel immature. Jesus is saying, look, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. We get this gentleness from Jesus. Jesus was actually um, the perfect example of gentleness and meekness, right? We see this multiple times throughout scripture. The disciples, they wanted Jesus to act out and show up. There was one time where Jesus goes to a Samaritan village and they reject Jesus. So the disciples say, hey, Jesus, can you rain down fire and brimstone on the city that just rejected you? How does Jesus respond? He says, no. And he goes to the next town. This controlled strength this meekness. Jesus had all authority and all power to rain down fire from heaven if he wanted to, but his response is that he's patient. He's gentle. He moved on to the next town. And we see him again. Some of you may know the story of the woman that's caught in adultery where these Pharisees, they drag her out, caught in the act. They bring her out. They, They want to stone her, put her to death for the action that she did. And what does Jesus say in his meekness? He who is without sin cast the first stone. Jesus is gentle. Jesus is meek, right? Right before his death, you know what Jesus did? He knew that one guy was going to betray him and another one of his guys was going to deny him. Judas was going to betray him and Peter was going to deny him. And what did Jesus do? In his meekness and in his gentleness, he washed their feet anyway, knowing what they would do in the future. Jesus is meek. Jesus is gentle, right? Um, Jesus was arrested and falsely accused, right? So in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's there, and Pete, the, the guards come in, and the high priest comes in to arrest Jesus, and Peter comes and cuts off the ear of the high priest servant, and what does Jesus do? Jesus himself says this. He's like, do you not think that I cannot appeal to my father, and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? He's like, look, I'm Jesus. I can bring down legions of angels if I want to to rescue me from the situation. But he doesn't. Why? Because he's meek. He's gentle. He's controlling his strengths. And then he heals the servant's ear. That's our Jesus. And that's our God. And even in his death on the cross, 
right? Where the thief on the cross says, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. So one of the criminals that Jesus was crucified next to, he's saying, look, aren't you like God? Can't you just save yourself? And what does Jesus say? He says, forgive them for they know not what they do. As we're thinking about gentleness and meekness, it is perfectly um, exemplified and modeled by Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, who lived his life perfectly, who died on the cross for our sins, and who resurrected and gave us new life so that we may be also be resurrected with him in the next life. And you know, you can say more louder later. Why? Because Jesus will say more louder later. Do you know how the story ends? Do you guys know how it ends? Jesus first came in in a manger as a humble servant. He's not coming back in a manger. He's coming back on a horse with a sword in his mouth, tattoo on his thigh that says King of Kings and Lord of Lords is gonna make everything right. We know how the story ends. It ends well for those of us that are in Christ. And for those of us that are not in Christ, Jesus is calling you. He's calling you to his family and he's been patient with you. He's not mad at you. You don't have to earn his love. He already gives it freely. And he just wants you just to say, man, I'm a sinner. I'm in need of grace. Jesus, I need your healing. I just need you, Jesus. I don't need anything else. I don't have to try to fix my way because I can't. I don't have to clean myself up before I, before I come to you. Jesus is just saying, come. Just come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. So I know some of you are here. You feel like Jesus is not gentle with you. And I just want to urge you and plead with you that he is. You don't have to earn your way. You don't have to clean yourself up, fix yourself up, make yourself better. That's what Jesus did on the cross. He did everything for you. All we have to do is trust him and follow him. So if you will just close your eyes for a second and bow your heads. Um, man, I haven't, we didn't talk about this. Can I have just some of the hosts in the back? Um, some of the table hosts, if you stand in the back. Man, if you just want to pray through that, if you just want to ask somebody about Jesus, if you want to ask him about being gentle, if you want to ask him about people, man, is Jesus mad with me? Did I, did I sin too much? Did I screw up too much? We have people in the back that just want to sit with you and pray with you. Just want to talk with you. Just look for somebody wearing a lanyard. And we're just going to sing in response. We're going to sing again, all hail King Jesus, who just models gentleness for us. Um, so I'll, I'll pray, uh, and then we'll, we'll stand, and we can respond and worship.